I'm going to go ahead and, and dive in uh, this morning as we are finishing up our series of the gift, and uh, we've gone over prayers, presence, uh, gift service, and today is witness uh, or evangelism, outreach, what have you. Um, and I wanted to go over a couple of words that in the South that I think we pronounce correctly. Um, and you, as my fa- the, the class here, uh, can tell me how we pronounce these words correctly. The first one is cement. Correct. Cement, right? That's right. Yeah, cement. Got it right. All right, the next one. Pecan. No. Pecan. You know, when you see it spelled out, it doesn't. Not so good. Not so good. Not something I want to eat. Okay. Uh, all right, pen. Pen. Yeah, just stretch, stretch out that vowel. Four-syllable word. Tip. Tip. I went to a restaurant a few weeks ago. The waitress said, would you like to leave a tip? I said, I said, uh, I said excuse me? <laughs> um, or what about syrup? Syrup. Syrup, syrup. Here's one maybe you haven't thought of. Mayonnaise. No. Man, days up in there. <laughs> you didn't thought about that one. Uh, now I thought about the word pajamas because I think pajama might be correct because we don't call them jammies, right? <laughs> They're called jammies. I don't know about pajamas. Now here's one that has to be claimed unequivocally for all time. This on this moment in history, we are witnesses, right? It is this word I'm claiming back. Here it is. Appalachian. It is not Appalachian. Correct? I watch TV shows and some voiceover guy in New York City. It's like deep in the deep south of the Appalachian Mountains. Like, where is the deep south? Florida? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I yeah. I think Appalachian sounds a little more, even more redneck than Appalachian. <laughs> and all of you alumni of that school would agree. Now here's another word that maybe we mispronounce in the church in the South sometimes, the word evangelism. And the, sometimes the definition could be uh, someone else's job. <laughs> the pastor's job. You do that, right? Isn't that what you do all day? And that's true. That's part of the work. But not so much. I'm going to dive into this word evangelism for a second and see what it means. I'm going to reclaim it a little bit. I think it's been hijacked politically. Um, But at its core, at its essence, it is a really good word. Uh, In the Greek, where it comes from, it's euangelio. The EU, the front, the prefix means good. Angelos in Greek means messenger. So it really, it just means you are a messenger of good news. You are a good messenger. You're the bringer of good news. So the word angel literally means messenger. And that's really what it means. You are inviting good into people into something good. That's it. You're not trying to convince people. You're not trying to vote a certain way. You're not trying to invite them into some shady conspiracy. Not inviting them. No, you're just inviting. It's pure, authentic I'm inviting you into something good, good news. And, you know, 
that's, that's the core of it, is that in the spirit of that meaning, there's a man in the New Testament, in the book of John, his name is Andrew, and Andrew was truly one of the first evangelists in this regard, and that he purely wanted to invite someone into something good, into hearing good news. And it's in John chapter one. He was Simon, or later Peter's brother. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and had followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter, or the rock, or rock. So no offense to Dwayne Johnson, but Simon was the first rock. He was the rock. And there's really three principles you can get from those few verses. The first is that Andrew uses his personal relationships to invite. Very simple. Secondly, he doesn't, Andrew doesn't invite Simon to church. He invites Simon to Jesus. There's a difference. And then thirdly, he doesn't preach at his brother. It's a simple, authentic recommendation. Just a childlike innocence to it. Those three principles. So the first one, he invites, he invites someone closest to him. He uses his personal relationships. Now, if you think of someone who has shared good news with you recently, just any kind of good news, like, hey, the Braves won the World Series last year, but still, great news, right? I got the job. She said, yes, we're pregnant. I just want a million dollars and a maid, you know? Like, you share good news. It's simple. You share good news with the people closest to you, not necessarily to brag, but because you want to share in their joy, right? You want to share in that experience. There's, there's joy in the sharing. There's no agenda with this kind of sharing good news. It just overflows. It's authentic. It's real. It's almost childlike in its simplicity. And so we typically share good news with the people we trust the most, right? That we want to uh, share in that joy with. But here's the trick, though, with really close friends and family is they can be the most skeptical too, right? Like when you share good news, especially something like Jesus, um, they, they can make it, uh, you know, they can kind of maybe shoot it down. Um, but it doesn't have to be awkward. It shouldn't be awkward. It doesn't have to be weird. Why does it have to be weird? I think a lot of what church is in the 21st century is going to be de-weirding stuff for people and, and explaining it because it's not as weird as you think it is. But I don't think when Jesus wanted us to share about um, the good news, I don't think he, you know, there's nowhere in the New Testament where Jesus goes, make it as awkward as possible, suck the air out of the room when you mention my name, and that'll be good. No, it has to be an authentic with the people closest to us. So Andrew runs to the person he knows best, his brother. And like I said, family can be the most skeptical, and I would imagine if your brother or sister ran up to you and goes, hey, I found the Messiah. Jesus is real. You would go, "Uh uh-huh. Really? I'm sure Simon was probably like, let's see about this. I don't know, Andrew. Maybe Simon went unwittingly, sort of going along with it, and, but you have more influence over your networks, of course, than I do. You know, it's, think of it this way. If you bring your children to church, uh, for a week, you know, like once a week, you, they maybe are here for two hours, right? Now, how many hours are in a week? 
class. I had to use my calculator, so no shame. 168. So the other 166 hours a week, they're with you. The church can supplement their spiritual life, but we are not the answer to it. You are the main shaper and influencer of who they are. I know, you're like, no pressure, right? Yeah, well, that's why I pray. we pray a lot. We pray a lot in our household. But you have more influence over your social networks than I could ever hope to be or want to. And that the first place to start, though, is with the people that we know best and sharing the good news of who Jesus is. That's what Andrew did. Secondly, Andrew doesn't bring Simon to synagogue. He doesn't bring him to church. He brings Simon directly in the presence of the Son of God. And then Jesus changes Simon's life, literally changing his name. You know, there are so many people out there in our world today that I think are spiritually drowning. Uh, they're, they are. They're, 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 they're exhausted. And that was my story, too, before I became a Christian. Uh, it doesn't mean I'm not exhausted anymore, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, people are, they're, they're, they're fighting against life. They're swimming upstream all the time. And they, they're looking for peace in all the wrong places. And it reminds me of, you know, Jim Gaffigan said, he, has, he famously has five children. And uh, someone asked, what's having a fifth baby like? And he said, imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. <laughs> babies are great, though. I love babies. And so does he. But the last thing people are looking for nowadays is another thing on their to-do list, another religion or it just can feel like another burden. And that's not what we invite people to. We invite people to Jesus. He is the one that changes lives, not me and not you. That you and I, it's actually encouraging. We don't do the heavy lifting. I can't raise the dead. Jesus can. I can't heal anybody, but Jesus can. I can't help anybody have the new birth in Jesus Christ, become a new creation from the inside out, to know that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, like the, as a temple of the Holy Spirit. I can't do that, but Jesus can, and he does every single day. Too many pastors and church leaders, laity, burn out trying to be the Savior. I'm, we're not. We're not called to be that. He is the one that will speak a word of transformation in someone's life, like he did with Simon. And we are just simply bringing them into his presence. And, and as Jesus said, the Son of Man will be lifted up, and all men and women will be drawn to him like Moses raised his staff in the desert. That that is our goal, is simply to lift him up. That he is in the business of changing lives. But he chiefly uses the faithfulness of people like Andrew in you and me. Simple acts to invite people into the presence of Jesus. Then lastly, make a recommendation. A simple, authentic recommendation. That's what Simon or Andrew does here with his brother. He doesn't say to his brother, repent, sinner. Get clean before you come in the building. No. He simply says, come meet this man. I have, I have met the Messiah. Now, when the Bible, you know, when Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, right before he ascends into heaven, he says to the disciples, you know, preach the gospel to all the nations, right, which we call the Great Commission. 
And so when we hear the word preach, that's a, that can be a negative connotation to many people. But what it really means at its essence is just communicate. Just communicate in whatever ways you possibly can. Sharing, tweeting, you know, uh, a note, a, a prayer, a phone call, an email, whatever. Just do something. Just leverage whatever you can to point someone's eyes to him. And not to the church and not to all of our problems, but to Jesus. He is the one in the business of changing lives. Because we follow people's recommendations online all the time. Total strangers. And we totally believe them. They could be totally wrong. I bought some drapes online the other day and I read reviews. And thought, oh, it's got 45,000 five-star reviews. That sounds good, you know. But some people's reviews are terrible. They're like, I tried to wash a bunch of oily rags in my washing machine and then it broke. I'm like, well, that's going to break your washing machine. It's not the washing machine's fault. But we follow reviews and recommendations all the time. But this approach of authentic recommendation is so important to our postmodern age that is so skeptical of anything having to do with, uh, you could call, organized religion, which I always say, hey, you know what? It's really not that organized. <laughs> We're doing the best we can. Um, but it's critical in our postmodern age because in many ways, suspicion is the new religion for many people's lives. It's, we don't know who to trust. We're scared to trust. We're scared to step out in faith. We feel like you're going to get burned. Someone's not going to come up on their end of the deal. Um, and that's why so many people in the Gen Z category, uh, millennial, uh, they famously are called the, the rise of the religious nuns. That over 40% of those polled says, I have no religious re- affiliation whatsoever. It's millions and millions of people. And there's many reasons for that. But one is that they are suspicious of any sort of a large umbrella that tells me how to live my life or to have morality or ethics and, and to infringe on any kind of my autonomy. So therefore, I'm going to hold it at an arm's length and I might not even consider it whatsoever. But an authentic recommendation can change all that. So many people are, are very skeptical of the church, big C church, and yet they implicitly trust the government. Hmm, I want to rethink that one. State, good, church, bad. Hmm, I don't know about that. But I get it. The church has made mistakes, definitely. Sometimes the church can use the Bible to end conversations rather than deepen them. Sometimes the church can shut people up rather than serve them and love them as you would like to be loved and served. People will fail you inevitably at some point. But Jesus does not fail you. He has never failed anyone. But one reason so many people are skeptical of the church or knowing Jesus Christ as their Savior is because we have been marketed to our whole lives, right? Like if I grew up with television, I never never didn't know an age without TV. Well, people younger than me, they've always had the internet. It's hard for us to imagine, but it's true. They've always had access to any information they could ever want at any time. And that changes the way you think about things. Think, I don't need to look the church for answers. I, I can do it myself. Now, that's, I think that's shaky ground. That's pretty thin ice. But I get it because there's always been an angle for people. There's always been a commercialized point to it. And so we're always like waiting for the other shoe to drop. I think I'm speaking to somebody in the room. 
you're, you've been waiting for the other shoe to drop when the recommendation is made at all. But like Andrew, authenticity can cut through that noise. Because even if someone is authentically wrong, people today will still believe them because they feel it. If, if the cry of the Enlightenment was, I think, therefore I am, today is, I feel, therefore I am. But the authentic recommendation, though, if someone out there looks around at us and they go, I don't know if I believe any of this stuff, but they look at someone like me and they go, but if you believe it, I might believe it. If it's authentic to you. So I'm going to be totally honest. I'm going to be totally authentic in my recommendation to you if that's someone out there right now. That I, I have seen palpable moves of the Holy Spirit in my life, more times than I could count. I have seen people healed that had no scientific explana- explanation whatsoever. I've seen heavenly things. Not to brag about myself at all, this is the grace of God. I've seen demonic entities. They are real. I've witnessed them. They are not made up. They're not allegories. They're not metaphors. Um, so I'm telling you that directly. My authentic recommendation I get it. You can be jaded toward church. You can be jaded toward God. You say, God is not real. It's all a sky fairy. I know that's very in vogue. But I think what that really is, is a defense people put around their hearts. What it really says is, I don't know if I can trust it. I don't know if I can trust God. Right? People go, the Bible's just a dusty old book written by people thousands of years ago. It's irrelevant. No, what you're really saying is, I don't know if I can trust it. And that's a valid question. But it's a question that must be answered before your life on this earth is over. It's the most important answer you could ever have to any question that you've ever been asked. Because I'm telling you, you can have all of that. You could have gotten burned in your past. You cannot trust the things of God. I get that. I understand it. I have sympathy for it. But you're wrong. And God loves you in the midst of your questions and your doubt. And he always will. I'm sure Simon was skeptical before Andrew brought him into his presence. And Jesus didn't shame him. He didn't accuse him. He didn't make him feel stupid. But he said, your name was Simon, but now you're the rock. Jesus was real to Andrew. He was real to the apostles. They died for their testimony. They never backed down. They went to their graves and their resurrections, preaching his name. Nothing comes close to the power of personal invitation, of authentic recommendation. We can mail postcards, we can do all this great stuff, but it is over 80% of people come to any church for the first time on one reason. It's if someone they know invited them. That's it. So we can do all this other stuff, and we can trust it more than the most important thing. I mean, videos and a great website, that's all very important, but it's not the main thing. The main thing is people, right? It's relationships. It's an authentic recommendation. That's one reason why, like Martha said, 130 whatever people you said in the past 18 months have joined this church, over 60 people in the past, in this year, people have been gossiping about good things. They've been spreading things word of mouth. They've been recommending things to people. It's an authentic recommendation. Like, I don't know if you know this, but I love Dollywood. Everybody, everybody ever been to Dollywood? Uh, this past March, we went there, and she did a little parade, and I got to see Dolly Parton. Like, she was, like, from here to that TV. 
she's the, like the most famous person I've ever seen. She's like three feet tall. I mean, she, no, I'm kidding. She's not three feet tall. But she's so cute. Now, I authentically recommended Dollywood to you, right? Maybe you'll go. I don't know. It's a great place. It's very clean. They have good food. But we're ready to recommend things to people all the time. But I would caution you to be hesitant to rec- not recommend Jesus. And that not, I, I get it. There have been moments where I've been like, you know what, I really should say something to this person, right? And I don't. You've been there. I've been there. You get scared, you get cold feet. But be reminded, the Apostle Paul in the book of 1 Thessalonians, he's in prison and he writes to his readers and says to them, pray for me that I might have boldness. The Apostle Paul had people pray for him that he would share the good news. So we need to pray for each other for that. It's not easy. But every single time we share the good news with people in an authentic way, it can make a transformation in someone's life. Because how would they hear it if no one tells them, like the prophet Isaiah said so long ago? And where would you and I be if no one ever told us? But there is joy when you share in a blessing. There's joy when you share in an authentic recommendation to someone else. Just that simple. Now, as I said, this is our um, Sunday where we uh, bring forward our cards, our, our our, our giving and serving cards, and as I said, these are here, and this is, if people that call this their church home, this is their opportunity to worship in that way. Now, if you're here today and you don't have, don't worry about it. If you don't have a card, don't feel awkward or anything. This is just our way to, to each year to say this is how we'll support the church in the coming year. It's just that simple. And when you come forward to bring those cards, there'll be a basket right here, and you can put it in the card. I'm going to be standing right here, and if you want me to pray for you, just come kneel. I would be honored to pray over you because you are more important to God. The card's important, but I want to pray over you um, and, and serve you in that way. So if you want to do that, and it, hey, if this message has rung home with you and you just need prayer, period, come up here, and I would be honored to pray with you as well, okay? N- don't make it weird. It doesn't have to be weird. Nothing's weird. We're all people, just people in need of prayer. We all need God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are present with us in this place. Thank you, Jesus, that when we come into your presence, there is transformation, that your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. As we come to your altar this morning, um, may you meet with us in ways that change us. and continue.